Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Kate Atherley, an incredibly talented and creative woman. Her hobby, knitting, has become her work, and it seems like great fun. Interestingly, Kate comes from a mathematics and software background, and combining all these things seems quite creative in itself. Kate is with us as I wanted to learn more about her work, specifically beginning with her latest book, The Knitter's Dictionary, Knitting Know-How from A to Z. And I have a feeling that we're going to get some great gift ideas from this conversation. So let's meet Kate. Kate Atherley, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, it is so exciting to have this opportunity for so many various reasons, not the least of which is just to chat about knitting, even though I am really, I'm not a knitter. I aspire to it, but I I wish I could put myself in that classification. But I know that uh, in our community here and certainly all all around the continent, people are great knitters. So it's just really uh, such a gift to have you join us this morning. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I adore knitting. And there are so many people who are knitters. You know, you may not know that about them because a lot of people just do it quietly at home in front of the TV, and there's an awful lot of people who've learned when they were young, too. They learned at their mother's or their grandmother's knee. And so even if it's something that you haven't necessarily, you know, people haven't, don't necessarily pick up the needles all the time, there's a lot of people who know how to do it. And I think, you know, sometimes we do see it a little more obviously. I know I sometimes am at meetings at work, and there we are present, but there will be uh, a couple or three people are sitting there with their knitting needles, which is wonderful. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and what I, one of the reasons I love knitting is that it's, it can use as much attention as you want to spend. You know, I was traveling yesterday. I was in an airport, the inevitable holiday flight delays, and I was knitting away, and my husband was reading. And I was able to enjoy the sights and sounds of people watching. I will confess to be a people watcher, um, especially in airports, especially after holidays. And you can pay a bit more attention to the world around you. I was working on something pretty simple, so I was paying attention to the flight delay notices, of course. I was paying attention to the family and the adorable baby a few seats over. I was paying attention to this gorgeous service dog, you know. I was So it can be something where it's half engrossing to just give you a little bit of patience, if that makes sense. Or you can work on the kind of knitting that, and I love this once I'm seated on the plane, is fully engrossing to help you pass the time. Something that's a bit more challenging, something where you have to count and pay a bit more attention. So there's really knitting for every circumstance. And it is my favorite thing to do when I'm forced to wait somewhere. So whether it is in an airport or, you know, in a lineup at the bank or, you know, waiting for my dentist appointment or heck, uh, did you know I'm knitting right now? I'm on a call and I'm knitting. So it's a great way of keeping yourself busy. And maybe I don't snack so much when I've got knitting needles in my hand. Well, there's another good reason to have the knitting needles in hand. Yes. Yeah. And so that is really in, so incredible when you, uh, you know, are able to just... Uh, be on a call and knit at the same time. So perhaps it's not as challenging a pattern when, you know, in this, at this particular point. 
Absolutely. I, you know, I've always got something plain on the go. And you will laugh about this and some knitters will laugh about this. But for me, I've been knitting socks for so many years that a sock knit, the sock knitting project is super straightforward. Like there's a little bit that's a bit crunchy where I have to count and pay attention. But the, the vast majority of a sock knitting project is pretty plain and there's no counting. Hats are good for that too. You just go round and, or a scarf, you know, where it doesn't matter if a scarf comes out an inch too long. It's usually a better thing if it comes out a bit too long. So there are definitely projects which are small, so they just sit in my lap. And I, you know, I can work on them without having to be too attentive to them. There are definitely projects where you have to pay attention. I, you know, if I'm working on a sweater, I would be unlikely to work on that while we were chatting. And when you mentioned socks, I was looking at your website. Oh, let's mention your website, actually. So you can find me on the internet as kateatherly.com. It's K-A-T-E-A-T-H-E-R-L-E-Y, kateatherly.com. I'm pretty easily Googleable. There aren't many of me with that name. And, um, yeah, I have um, designed and knitted a lot of socks, and I've written a book about sock knitting. And when I was thinking or looking at your website and just thinking about it right now, as you mentioned socks... It's not just plain socks, which are gorgeous when they are hand-knit, but looking at some of the patterns, there was something that had like a wave to it, and I thought, oh my gosh, you, you'd want to not cover it up with boots for sure. That is, the, that is the struggle of the sock knitter, because one has to weigh one's enthusiasm for showing off one's work with one's um, style. Should I say style <laughs> considerations? You know what I mean, right? So this is where there's a lively discussion about whether socks and sandals are okay. Some people have strong feelings about that. And then, and then, because wool socks are great in rubber boots, right? It rains, you know, it gets wet out there. So rubber boots are a great way of keeping your feet wet. And wool socks are good in rubber boots. You can actually buy clear rubber boots. So you can uh-huh. see your hand-knit socks through them. So, and... Some people feel that this might be a fashion faux pas. Some people uh, feel that their enthusiasm for showing off their handwork makes it all okay. For for me, it's about the crowd I'm in. You know, like sometimes I'm I'm just showing my socks off, and sometimes because you know I live in the Northeast, and and we do that thing in the Northeast where we just wear black all the time, right? You know, I was lived in New York City for a long time, and I've just come back from New York City, and you have a black coat, and you wear black boots, and you wear it's the thing to do. Um, so I sort of adore having brightly hand knit, brightly colored hand knit socks hidden under all of that sensible, mature, fashionable, you know, north northeast black. So I'll wear like ridiculous bright orange and neon and pink and yellow socks under my, you know, my very um, fashion uh, fashion centric all black knee boots and, and long jacket, and it cheers me up a bit in the depths of winter. Uh, it feels like it could have just that little taste of rebellion built into it, too. Absolutely, absolutely. And then when you come home, you're cheered up by seeing your feet. Or when you go over to your friend's house, it gives them a good laugh as well. Because they're like, what on earth have you got on? Well, they're neon yellow and orange stripes. Or I've got this great yarn I've um, been working with recently, and it's dyed kind of oranges and black, so it sort of looks like a tiger print. Um, and the ones I'm working on right now are red and gray and white stripes. Um 
because very clever people and very clever yarn companies can dye their yarn so it looks like stripes when you knit a sock. It's the best thing in the world. I am just stunned when I see that. My sister-in-law is a knitter, and I'm the beneficiary of some wonderful gifts. So I have mitts and socks and scarves and shawls, and I'm, I'm just delighted. And they do this color thing, and I'm just in awe. That It's amazing, that they, isn't it? Yeah. It is. I'm in awe, too, I will confess, because it actually takes a fair degree of planning and sort of mathematics to make all these precise colors. You can dye yarn so it knits up in sort of random speckly color patterns, and that's wonderful, wonderful things. And I like it because if you make a mitten or you make a hat, it looks different. The colors sort of fall in different places. But there are also people who specialize in dyeing yarn, and for them... They have to know in advance what it's going to be knitted up into. Like, they'll dye yarn for sock knitting so it makes actual stripes, like real, you know, like the, the sweaters from the gas, you know, that have got actual stripes. And you get yarn that's dyed that looks like that when you make it to socks. And I love it because, first of all, it amuses me no end. Um, it saves an awful lot of um, fuss on the knitter's part because we're not having to change colors and manage five different bowls of yarn. But it also just makes us look very clever. Now, you are also a mathematician, so you have a great understanding of that. Are you involved in that part of it in any way? Well, yeah. So one of the things I do is that I work uh, um, in the industry, what we call a technical editor. And there are sort of technical editors in lots of different industries. The title might be different. But I'm one of those people who goes through knitting patterns, knitting instructions, uh, and makes sure that the numbers and all the technical details are right. Because like cooking, right, you know, you, you publish. Uh, we don't, knit designers and knitters, we don't sell the finished object um, because it's, you know, it takes a long time, you know, and it's, we don't craft to make items to sell you craft you knit it's the same thing with sewing as well i mean you make them so that they're for you or for your family and you make them using the yarns you've chosen and to the, with the colors you've chosen and so that are an expression of your own creative and sensibilities and so we knit for ourselves and we knit for our family and People, designers, publish instructions so that you can look at a pair of socks, wavy socks that I've designed, and make them for yourself. But maybe not in the color I chose, maybe in a color that you love best. And so what I do, I work with designers to look at their patterns and look at their instructions and make sure that they're good, make sure that they work, make sure that the numbers are right, proofread them, just make sure all the technical details are there. Because everything written, everything published needs a proofreader. And so I'm a technical proofreader, and, and the mathematics come into play there because I'm always checking the numbers because there's a lot of numbers to develop a knitting pattern. The, designer, the designers are always thinking about numbers. Um, the knitters don't have to because the knitter it's like a recipe, right? You know, if I'm baking cookies, I don't need to worry about the chemistry between how the baking soda and the flour and the liquids and all of that stuff interact. That's been worked out for me. But somebody in the background has checked to make sure that the proportions are right. So I do that with missing pounds. I check to just make sure all the numbers are right and all the proportions are right. And I, I worked in software for, for 15 years. I actually worked for um, a bunch of large companies. I worked for Microsoft even. And 
the funny thing is, and I don't think my dad believes me yet, is that I use my mathematics more in this than I ever did when I was in software. <laughs> that's fascinating. Yes. And the other piece of it that's fascinating is to think of all that you've just said about what you do in the technical aspect of this with looking at patterns and incorporating it for knitting is to think of this as a career. Think of this yeah. as as work. And uh, would you have thought of that, you know, say, uh, before uh, when you were at uh, university? Absolutely not. I mean, and every day I wake up and su- surprised that I'm able, surprised and grateful and amazed I get to do this for a living. It really is the most fantastic thing. And um, I love it because it uses different parts of my brain. I mean, there are lots of jobs. And when I was in software, there was a lot that I did that was satisfying and it was interesting to me. But I never felt like I had a job that allowed me to be my mathematical self and be my creative self. And this is the perfect combination of the two for me. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really, it is, it is it's just the most wonderful thing. I'm, you know, I'm very thankful for that. I really am. And it's, yeah, it's the best. I love it. And people warned me. They said, you know, when you, when you take on a job that's your hobby, you might not love your hobby anymore you know there's are you worried you're going to fall out of love love with your hobby and I have to say I really haven't I think I just love it more (laughs) so all the better that that's happened absolutely absolutely I know more about it I get to learn more about it and I get to stand around and talk to people about it (laughs) (laughs) and knit while I'm on the phone so really what's not to love Precisely. And also do some writing, because this is how I first became aware of you, Kate Atherley, is with this newest book, The Knitter's Dictionary, Knitting Know-How from A to Z. So that, you know, this is great. I was thinking that it would be just ideal for anyone. And then what do I read is that, uh, you know, some of the acknowledgments say this is perfect for any level of knitting person. Yeah, absolutely. So I, it's funny, I've been teaching knitting for a long time, and I've been and working as an editor for a long time. And there's a lot of people, as I say, you know, I mentioned right at the start, there's a lot of people out there who know how to knit. And you learned when you were a young girl, you know, many, many knitters did. Uh, but, and, you know, what happens is you go into a yarn shop, and you want to buy some needles and yarn, and it's making a scarf, you can kind of make that one up as you go, that's pretty easy. But the minute you want to make something like a sweater or a hat or a sock, like you buy a pattern you or you use a knitting pattern. And what you have to do is figure out how to read the language of the knitting patterns. Because there is a lingo to them. And, you know, we use abbreviations and we have specific terms that we use in funny ways. Um, and so I heard a lot from knitters that, they were good with their needles and yarn. And, you know, that you can also learn in a yarn store. You can learn online. There's lots of ways how to learn, you know, to learn what to do with the sticks and the strings, if you will. But it was reading the instructions people were more challenged with because those skills don't transfer, right? There's nothing in learning to use the sticks and the strings that helps you instantly understand what all these bizarre abbreviations mean, like what's S2KPO and CDD and how do you read these graph formats and all of it? Like how do those skills don't transfer? And so I kept hearing from knitters that what they really wanted was a guide to 
how to read those instructions and how to decipher those instructions. So you could be successful at missing things beyond just the scarf. And so that the book is a quick reference to all of the terms and the lingo that we use in knitting to help people understand how to, you know, how to read the instructions, but also some of the lingo that we throw around in yarn stores too. Because I remember going to a yarn store and being completely flummoxed by some of the things that the staff were saying. I mean, this was going on, you know, 20 plus years ago now. And the the staff were talking about DK and worsted and Aaron and sport, and I didn't know what they meant by that. And they're talking about thicknesses of yarn. I mean, it's, it's their terms to describe characteristics of yarn, but you don't always know all of them. So my book is a quick reference to all of those terms, so all of the lingo that you see in knitting patterns, all of the lingo that they throw around in yarn stores. And some of the funny stuff we throw around, too, because inevitably, you know, we have in phrases, right? We have, we have cute abbreviations we use. So we use WIP for work in progress. Because when you're typing to your friends on the Internet, you want to say, well, my, you know, my current project, the thing I have on my needles, we just abbreviate that. My, my whip, my work in progress, which inevitably brings up some other things like, well, we have UFOs in knitting which are unfinished objects. <laughs> so those are projects that you might have started that just haven't quite been completed yet. And then we have FOs, which are finished objects, which are things we're very excited about because they're done. And we have all of these great little abbreviations and a little bit of lingo that uh, needs deciphering sometimes, and that's what the dictionary is. And it's perfect, I was saying at the outset that just having a conversation with you, Kate Atherley, is a gift. And then you bring along something like this new book, because you have other books as well that we can find. Uh, the Knitter's Dictionary, though, we, we can appreciate then. It's at this time of year might be just the ideal thing for someone who is just so tough to buy for, and they would, regardless, again, of the level of knitter, knitter that they are, they would find this to be so valuable. Absolutely. And you know what? A lot knitters of all different levels. There's, there's stuff for the beginner and stuff for the more advanced knitter as well. For the beginner, there's a lot of explanations of, sort of all of the basic terms. And for a more experienced knitter, it's just a great quick, quick reference to remind you about, yeah, what do these abbreviations mean? And, and to just... And even things like those visual references. So, yeah, we talk about knitters. We talk about, well, you know, you know, this is a hat. Well, is, is it a beanie or is it a toque? Or is it a bonnet-style hat or is it a chulo-style hat? So I've just got a quick visual reference, just diagrams with the different hat shapes. So if you're trying to describe a hat, you know exactly what word to use. And different sweater shapes and all of those bits and pieces. So it's not just words, it's pictures, too. And the pictures... I love what the graphic designer did. They're so beautiful and they're so clear. And it's, yeah, it's helpful. You know, I want to be helpful to knitters so that they can feel confident enough to knit a sock while they're on the phone with someone <laughs> or feel confident enough to be able to knit a sock and enjoy the sights and sounds of the airport around them. Or, you know, feel confident enough. And this is really the pinnacle of good knitting. If you can watch a really engaging TV show and knit at the same time. And my mother would do that. She 
wouldn't even give it a second thought, but she'd be watching various television shows with the knitting in hand, or she loved to crochet as well. And she could do that just repeatedly. She had these beautiful afghans and tablecloths and that sort of thing. And it, it just feels like your time is so well spent and you're being so creative. Yeah, absolutely. It really is being creative. And, you know, a lot of letters find it meditative, too. They find it soothing. I mean, there's a, there's a joy for me in the touching of the yarn and the handling the needles. And there's a joy in knowing that I'm doing something to keep, you know, a treasured friend warm. Um, and there's a joy in knowing that I'm making something that I can give to someone as a gift. And there's a joy in just making something that makes me happy because so many of us we our jobs are you know don't don't really make anything you know our jobs are some people spend their days sending emails or talk I mean talking to people is obviously it is a wonderful and important thing but what I hear from a lot of people is when they get home in the evening they want to just make something you know they feel like there's an authenticity in being creative and creating something and it's nice to be able to just the work of our hands have an output that we can show off that we can gift that we can imbue with sort of love and uh, yeah and power and creativity It's, it's satisfying it's very satisfying and that just brings to mind again because earlier when you were describing, you know, putting your own particular mark on a particular pattern by the color and the way you might uh, really perform the craft is artist. Each of us becomes, you know, a unique artist in this craft. And I think that is just something to to really feel such pride about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because everybody is an artist. Everybody is creative. We're, you know, and it's a beautiful way to really indulge and express that. Yeah, choose your own colors. Put the colors together together the way that you want. Wear things the way that you want. And heck, if you want to wear clear rubber boots with ridiculously brightly colored handknit socks, go for it, because that brings joy. And I think, I think joy is so important because joy helps us feel more connected to ourselves, I think. And I think joy is helps us deal with times that are that might be stressful. And joy helps us round out our lives a little bit, I think. Yes. All of those things, you know, when we think about it, we do need that. And if we can gift someone um, with this book might be the inspiration to even pick up you call them the sticks, not necessarily the needles. Yes, I do. Well, we sometimes refer to it as it's just sticks and strings. Yeah. So pick up the needles. Yeah, I would. that would make me so happy. The idea that I would inspire someone to take the craft up and to take up that creativity and become a more creative, more artistic person, that for me would be the ultimate, to, to know that I had inspired that. I'd be very, very proud. And then the piece of it, if we as the crafter, the knitter, creates an item for someone, what I love about that is that it's taken that person's time, their thought as they're making it, probably with you in mind, and think yeah. of what an additional gift that is, The you know, just that whole feeling that can kind of wrap around us or keep our hands or feet warm. 
absolutely, absolutely. There's an awful lot of love and significance in a, a handmade item because of the time that it takes. And it's, again, it becomes a powerful thing. And it's, I um, recently finished a hat for a friend who is, she's, she's going to be okay and I, it's entirely treatable, but she's just recently been diagnosed with a, with a small tumor, a, a small breast cancer. And, and we make hats. Because she knows she's she knows she's going to go through a small round of chemo, she's going to lose her hair, and I'm able to make a hat for her. T- I, we don't live in the same city, but I feel like I can be there with her, and I feel like I can be a support for her and keep her warm and keep her comfortable. And yeah, that that's that's significant. You know, that's powerful for both of us. And we both had a good cry, and it was lovely. And I used some really lovely cashmere and made it in her favorite colors and I it's going to help me and it's going to help her it's yes. going to keep her warm it's going to keep her comfortable and it's going to keep me close to her which I think is powerful too yes and and that's another piece of it that uh I f- is wonderful that I'm glad you mentioned that Kate as how we can use that that has a healing part of it both for yourself or any of us doing the knitting as well as for the person receiving when they have it on their body and they think of all the love that went into it it's it continues to heal absolutely yeah. um heal heal people on both sides the the knitter and the recipient is the gift exactly Ex- yes Precisely. So, so many gifts abound in this wonderful craft. Uh, We could just go on and on. And, of course, as I hold in my hands the Knitter's Dictionary, Knitting Know-How from A to Z, here's a, a, a really perfect item, a perfect book for ourselves. We might even think to gift ourselves with this to begin with, but for a friend, for, uh, you know, one of our kids, for grandkids, that sort of thing, uh, the list is endless. Absolutely, yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And I hope that I will inspire someone to knit, and I hope that I will inspire someone to feel more confident about their knitting, and I hope that I can, in a very, very tiny way, be a part of that healing and that joy and that love and that caring and and staying warm because it is winter after all. Precisely, yes. So there are just so many components here. So let's once again mention the website, Kate, and I think there that has just such valuable information on it. Yes. So I'm. My name is Kate Atherley, and my website is just www.kateatherley.com and it's K-A-T-E-A-T-H-E-R-L-E-Y and you can find me there and you can also find some of my other work. I uh, I write and help edit uh, a magazine, uh, nitty.com, K-N-I. TTY.com. And Nitty is an, uh, a knitting magazine that's been running for, goodness, over 15 years now. And it's, it's full of patterns and advice. I have a video column there where I demonstrate various things and articles about knitting. And it's completely free and completely open. And it's a great place for newer knitters to sort of dip their toes into it, into the, the craft. It's not a teaching website in it. You, there's lots of great people who have learned to knit videos online, but if, once you've learned, if you want to make a scarf, then Mitty.com has, has patterns for you. If you're ready to make socks or hats or sweaters or 
toys or one of my favorite patterns on Nitty is a pattern for it, don't laugh, a knitted octopus. And it's just, <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's just like, what a fantastic toy because it's so great for the kids because it's tactile with all of the legs. And it's just, oh, yeah, just the best. You can make whatever you want. There's all sorts of patterns, all sorts of advice. All sorts of info, and I'm uh, I work uh, I work behind the scenes on that magazine, and I can't recommend it highly enough. So there it is, your work coming up once again, and how uh, you you've essentially created it. It's not something that you knew someone was doing, although someone may want to, in hearing this, may want to uh, imitate in some particular way, but it's uh, really fascinating how you have taken all your mathematical background and the software background, and and now you do this soft, tactile thing and and create wonderful artwork. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I'm grateful every day that I get to do this, and I get to share it with other people as well. I'm not just doing it for me and my immediate family, but that I get to help other people bring the joy and bring the love and bring the warmth. Joy is evidently very important. It, it Certainly it is. But And with your mentioning it uh, a, a few times at least, Kate, this morning, it's wonderful because uh, what do we need? But as you said, joy in our lives and, you know, especially during these long, dark days, the shorter days, and it's dark so much, uh, finding a way to be joyful and keep warm uh, is certainly a great gift. So you've brought all of this to us, and I am just so grateful for that. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's now it's lovely to chat with you. And uh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm, yeah, anytime I get to talk about anything, I'm happy. Well, I think that we've hopefully have made many people happy during the course of this conversation. So uh, you are really uh, a gift, a wonderful addition to this day and many days following. So thank you greatly for spending time with us this morning, Kate. And thank you, Kate. And here's a bit of seasonal magic. Kate Atherley is in town this weekend at Seattle Yarn, which is on California Avenue in West Seattle. And today, Sunday, you can find her there several times throughout the day and uh, get to meet her and see what she is actually crafting and creating. And with that, we're at the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Kate Atherley and Sunday Morning Magazine with Washington State 529 Director Luke Miner. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Click on the On Air tab, then Sunday mornings, and then look for the show and guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of creativity in various creative ways. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Seattle's Christmas Station, the new warm 106.9. Good morning.